Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Teresa, and I am your host. I am very excited to come to you today. We are going to have our second episode or our second um, in the series that we're doing on overcoming under earning. And if you haven't listened to the first one, we went over the first uh, kind of introduction section. And this is a great book. And honest, honestly, I've been a little bit overwhelmed by how much this has impacted my brain and my thought process. So um, I am. I'm an under earner. I mean, you know, it kind of sounds like, you know, we're going to AA or something. That's not it at all. But I have always put other things ahead of my personal ability to be able to earn money. And now I have not typically been somebody who has pursued the idea of earning money as the idea of uh, being able to take care of other people. I think of the physical manifestation of taking care of people, the, the, the service work. And I'm very, very driven in that direction. So Um, for me, the whole money thing has always been kind of like, oh, that'll just come. Or, um, you know, I identified in the first, first portion of this book, the first quarter of this book, kind of how I talk to myself sometimes, how I have major imposter syndrome, how I have a lot of stuff in my head that my, that my family put there of, um, who, as far as like family members are, should be earning more money or, whatever and go back to listen to that one um it's it was it was it was a little scary to think about doing it again i'll be very honest just to be that i don't know what's really the word i'm looking for honest i guess on my personal thought processes because this is you know nobody else is on the podcast with me today i always like to interview other people because it makes me think but this book makes me think and to talk to you is very eye-opening and it's very humbling at the same time So when you listen to this episode, it'll probably be either right around the new year or right after the new year for 2023. And we're getting ready for just a new year, right? And everybody wants to talk about, you know, what are we going to do next for 2023? As far as business owners, we're all doing business planning and, you know, we're trying to be able to get together budgets and we're trying to put together like our team and what we're going to do for the next year and what are our incentives and bonuses and different things. And I think for me, though... I'm really seeing, and maybe it's just where I am in my life that I've had a really crazy couple of years. And I know there's a lot of people that have, I hear people all the time who are going through divorces, who are going through major challenges with family members or building a business or, you know, their, their homes and, um, their, their health. And I think there's a lot of people out there who want to get a hold of being a better being, being more of who they know they are. And that's where I'm coming into 2023 with. I have, um, be very honest through some trauma that I've had over the past two years, which I've been very honest about on this podcast. I've gained some weight. I have done some things I should not have done. I have probably, uh, had a few too many drinks. I've definitely ate too much food. Um, I definitely have slept a little bit more. Um, than normal. And I have let a lot of things fall through the cracks and I have allowed my team members to run things, which is great. That's delegating. That's awesome. But maybe I didn't go back and I didn't spend the time with them to teach them how to do things ahead of time. Maybe I have not, I've been shirking some of my responsibilities. 
So I know that that's been what I've done. We've had the best year in business. It's been a great year this year for 2022. We have been very, very successful this year. I'm very, very happy with that. My daughter has joined the business. She's now a commercial insurance agent. Make sure that you check out the episodes with her as we chronicle um, her as a Gen Xer coming through into the insurance space, her education, getting her feet on the ground, making the sales, going into commercial sales, all of those things. We are chronicling, we are tracking that through this year as well for her first year in the insurance space. But I think I've been pouring so much of myself into other people that I've also consciously, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's been a very conscious decision for me to put myself on the back burner and um, to not get out and go exercise, to go walk, to go take care of things, right? And so this book for me, Overcoming Under Earning, is not just about money, all right? It's not just about finances or treating myself well. It's it's about being wholly who I want to be. And because anything that I hold myself back with as far as like my my financial earning, I also hold myself back to just as much, if not more, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So we're going to dive into section two today. Um, we're actually going to go start going through the steps because the first portion is kind of talking about how we talk to ourselves, breaking through some of the things that hold us back. The conversations we have are precursors to some of the junk that we have going on in our heads. But Really, we're going to start with how to come out of being an under earner today. Today, we're going to talk about what is it going to take for us to stretch, for us to be able to be who we want to be. And maybe that's earning what we want to earn. Maybe it's asking or expecting certain things from team members, from family members, for us to be able to still get where we want to go. This could be about delegating. It could be about a lot of different things. I don't want you to feel like it has to be about finances. I know a lot of people feel like they're happy with their finances and they don't feel like they're an under earner. But remember, the definition of an under earner does not mean you're not okay with where you are. It means you're you're earning less than you should be making, you could be making. And that could be even just a lot of things, even just how we treat ourselves, how we allow other people to treat us, how we delegate things to our team that we stress ourselves out too much rather than delegating, um, rather than asking for help, rather than taking that class to be able to get a new certification, rather than doing the things that it takes for us to be able to achieve our goals, to be all that we want to be, are we holding ourselves back? And to me, that could be money and it could be just anything else. So we're going to start today with step number one. And step number one is technically chapter four, okay? And I've got the book right here. If you see me on YouTube, I'm going to be looking through the book. I also have a journal that I have journaled a lot of these things in. So this book, Overcoming Under Earning, is also a workbook. So it is an opportunity for you to answer questions about your thoughts, your processes, your baggage, maybe, and really take time and to sit in them. And that's what I've been really working on is taking the time to sit in these thoughts and knowledge. And, you know, if one thing happens, I go, oh, well, okay, I could work on that. Usually I would move on and just do something else, right? Okay, I could work on that, but then I'm going to move on to something else. But right now what I'm trying to do is really, really, really sit in the idea that I could do something about that. That is holding me back, whatever it is. And I'm taking it and journaling about it. Why do I feel that way? What? Why, why am I defaulting to that? Why does that maybe make me feel comfortable? Why do I not get out of my comfort zone 
in these areas because of certain thoughts or feelings or situations. And I really want to do this as a therapy type situation. So I challenge each of y'all to be able to do that as we go through these steps. The first step is <laughs> to tell the truth. Okay. In any change situation, the first thing to do is to sit back and say, okay, I need to make adjustments to what I'm doing here. And this tell the truth. It, they are taking it from a financial perspective, but take it also from the perspective of really being honest with yourself about whatever it is that you want to be able to change. If you want to be able to change how much you work out, how much money you make, how much you put in savings, a 401k, if it's that you want to be able to have a different home, you want to have a different career, maybe you are selling personal life insurance and you want to sell commercial life insurance. Be honest with yourself about where you are, what you want. And this section of the book is really, really good because it really speaks to us about how telling the truth is the beginning of saying, I want more. That if we say, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm not really where I want to be, but I'm okay, then by us doing that, we're not listening to what it is that we really, truly want. And we're not giving ourselves that um, space to really explore what we could be. And I, I love that concept because I'm I'm kind of a settler. I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it, right? And I'm a peacemaker. I want to go on out and make peace. So when it comes to driving change, I don't mind change, but I want peace in a happy way. And that's not always possible. It's just not. So that's really important to be able to take a moment because whenever, and it says right here in the book, telling the truth is prerequisite to getting what you want. And that's really recognizing where you are and where you want to go. It doesn't mean we have all the answers, okay? It doesn't mean we've got the roadmap. It doesn't mean everything's going to go according to plan. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to magically happen. And all of a sudden, you're going to end up with a big check in your you know, mailbox that's just automatically because we believe that's not my point at all. It's just we have to recognize where we are and where we want to go. And look at that very, very honestly and look at the things that hold us back from getting where we want to go, because otherwise we're never going to be able to move forward, right? Um, I think I've said on here before, I have had a family member in the past who always said, we knew we know what we need to do. We just don't do it. And that's so true. It's so true. But a lot of that's because what is it that's holding me back? What is it that's keeping me from being that person that I want to be? Doing the things I want to be able to do. And that has to start with being able to be very honest with myself and with my team and my family and the people around me who love me so that I can grow and develop into being that person. So some of the journal questions are, what is your first memory of money? I can honestly say, I don't know I have a first memory of money. I, I remember going down to the local like convenience store that was down on the corner with some friends and buying Tootsie Rolls for a penny. And I remember going into my mom's bedroom and they might've been five cents anyway, and going on in and getting a couple pieces of a change out of their change bowl that they had in their bedroom, my parents' bedroom. But honestly, I can honestly say, I don't know that I have a whole lot of memories of money. I remember that we were, we had a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money. We had a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money. And I remember it was very, very up and down, very, very up and down for about a five to six year stint. And I remember a lot of my trauma 
as a child was because of money. So I guess I do have that, but I don't remember money specifically um, as far as things went. So uh, were you given allowance growing up? I was, but it was very sporadic. Were you paid for chores or grades? I was paid for grades. What is your best experience of being paid? I think my best experience of being paid was when I was uh, 19, 18, 19, was 19. And I got a job, my first big girl job. And I got a paycheck for like, I don't know, three grand. We thought we were rich. We went out, we spent it. Oh my gosh, da, 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 da. And it was, um, ended up being like a month and a half to two months. And we thought this is what our paycheck was going to be like moving forward. And um, ended up the next month was like $1,100. We're like, hold on, wait a minute. And I remember we didn't put money away. We didn't save it. And we ended up in a lot of problems. So that's, I remember uh, my, my first marriage was, we got married very young at 19. It was riddled with a lot of financial challenges. Trying to go through school, we had a child very young. And um, I just remember there are a lot of financial challenges with that. So, but I remember getting that first paycheck and just thinking we were so rich. The three grand, I think, was how much I got paid. So um, how did you feel when you first started earning money? What did you do to first start earning money? What's the most money you've ever made? What's the least money you've ever made? How how was money handled by your family? I'll tell you, for me, my family, um, I don't know how they handled money. We didn't really talk about money. Um, we did some things. My mom would give me $5 or $10 and say, hey, you need to be able to cook a entire meal for all three of us. It was me and my mom and my step stepfather. And um, for 10 bucks or five bucks, I think back then it was five bucks. And I would go to the store and I would pull out macaroni and cheese or, or whatever. And I could not make the same thing I had made for three months. So I ended up with like four or five things. I just kind of rotated. But my mom was really good because she said it would help me to be able to raise a family on a budget. Great idea. But all of the lessons I had growing up were all about living on a budget. They were all about living on less. They were not about making more. And they were not about achieving more. And I don't think that was ever meant in her mind to be that way. But everything was really just about the concept of doing more with less and um, working off of whatever it is that my husband brought home or a man brought home and that it was my job to figure out how to learn, earn on less. And, and I did that for a number of years with my first husband. Like, you know, we, we got a lot out of what he made per year. And um, I was very proud of that. And I took that as kind of a, a badge of honor for a really long time. But I think the last couple of years, I've really struggled with that because I don't want to be, especially my kids are grown. I don't want to be living on less. And I wish I would have lived on more when my children were younger it was just in my mind, that's what families did. We were raising children and we were supposed to have those challenges specifically because we were raising children, right? And um, now I know there's a lot of people who don't do that. And um, so I think that's very interesting. Uh, as we look through some more of this book, it talks about how the the work of really looking at the truth is really the beginning point. Financial achievement is always preceded by financial challenge. So just like we challenge ourselves physically to get stronger and be able to build that muscle, we have to be able to be honest, break down that muscle to be able to build it forward. And we have to do that financially as well, which really taking a look at our credit card debt, how much money we make, what our bills are, where we're spending our money and how we're spending our money is really, really important because if we can cut back on certain things, great. But 
we also need to know what is it that we want to fit into our financial future. So therefore we can say, I really want blank and it doesn't have to be, you know, a possession. It could be a trip. It could be, I want to make a certain amount of money. I want to be able to give my team Christmas bonuses or holiday bonuses to where they make certain amounts per year. You could say, I want to be able to throw a big 20th anniversary party for my business, whatever it might be, but we can have those goals and we can achieve them. Right. But if we don't look at where we are, how do we know what it's going to take to be able to achieve those goals? So again, that's part of telling the truth. That's part of being very honest is also saying, where do I want to go and what do I need to get there so that we can be able to move forward? And they're going to be talking about that too. But facing a problem means looking it straight in the eye, even if we don't have a clue what to do with it. So even if we say, starting with the truth, doesn't mean we have to have all the answers. We don't have to have them. It's okay if we don't have all the answers. But it's by recognizing that we don't have all the answers that we can sit back and we can know what we should be looking for. Because otherwise, how do we even know the questions? if? we are only looking for the answers. We could be asking the wrong questions. If we really take a look at the truth of where we are in our lives, personally, financially, spiritually, we can see where we need to ask the right questions to move forward. But without being honest with ourselves, we can't do it. We just can't do it, right? Very, very important. And I love that um, on page 77, they have here a problem indicator checklist. This really resonated with me. Check the statements that apply to you. Deep down, I believe someone or something will rescue me. Someone else handles all my financial decisions. I rarely balance my checkbook. I forget to record checks, which I don't write checks anyway, so that's another thing. I don't know the total amount of my debt. Creditors keep calling me. I use credit cards for cash advances on the ATM. I don't have a savings account. I only pay the minimum monthly credit card payments. I cannot even afford the minimum monthly credit card payments. I was recently turned down for a credit or a loan. I have less than two months living expenses in the bank. I routinely spend more than I earn. If I lost my job, I'd have difficulty paying the next month's bills. I don't know my net worth. I worry about money a lot. I have trouble paying my rent or house payments on time. I put off seeking medical attention because I cannot afford it. I dip into my savings and investments to be able to pay my bills. I take out new loans before my old ones are paid off. And I have back taxes I've never paid. Here they're going to say that these are your prime troublemaking ideas or statements. And if any of these apply to you, then that's something we really need to take a look at. You need to take a really good look at. I have, I don't have a ton that apply to me on this. I have probably three or four. I will say I do typically believe somebody else is going to come in and rescue me. I would love to be able to hire this magical, amazing producer that takes care of everything. And we were just super blessed. And all of a sudden the business just flourishes and grows. And that would be amazing. But haven't found that yet. But that is in the back of my head what I'm always looking for, right? I think we all are. Back in the day, not now, but back in the day, someone always handled my finances. I never balanced my checkbook. Uh, back in the day, I'm not saying now, I'm saying I have stepped up. So a lot of you guys know that I have been married twice and I'm remarried now to my second husband. So technically three times, but in the middle of all that instability and insecurity with 
to divorces, I had to be able to step up, look my truth in the eye. And that's when I was able to fix all, a lot of this, right? Um, I've never used credit cards for ATM advances, but I do use credit cards uh, way too much. And I am in the process of stopping that. For years, I did not have a savings account. I do now, but I didn't for years. Typically, for years, I did pay the minimum monthly on my credit cards. I mean, just a lot of these types of things. I, in the past, if I would lose my job, I would have had a hard time paying some of my bills. I have fixed a lot of this over the course of the last five to eight years. Um, but I still think that I have a long way to go because I have gotten to where I'm day-to-day -day good. I'm moment-to-moment -moment good. I've got a good savings account. I feel like I'm doing really well with that. But I don't feel that I'm moving forward. Like I feel like I've fixed a lot of my day-to-day -day challenges, but I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing a good amount of investing in my 401k. I'm not planning for the future. I haven't done things like invest in growth and I need to be able to do that. And that's one of the things I need to work on. So, but I do know that a few years ago, I got to the point where I had to really truly look at my crap, right? I had to look at my junk. Um, there's a great book. And in fact, I have it. Um, it's actually on my bookshelf. I know it is. I saw it just the other day. And if I, if it jumped out at me, I'd probably turn around and grab it right now because I am oh right here. Hold on. I see it. If you're on the YouTube, you're going to be laughing right now. And if you're on audio, then you probably don't care that I just got up out of my chair to be able to have this conversation. But there's a great book called Punch Fear in the Face, Escape Average and Do Work That Matters. It's by John Acuff. And I mention it all the time. And it, and the back of it has a quiz that once you read the book, you go through this quiz about how to be able to punch fear in the face. So how to get over fear. And um, I know that the first thing that he says in here, point number three, mock each fear that you write down. So what do the voices? So the first part of the overcoming under earning was about the voices that we have in our head. What damage do we do to ourselves? I'm going to challenge you here to do point number three inside of this book. And it says, write down the fears and the voices that you have in your head. Every time that you bump into one of those fears, whenever you think about them, mock it. Write down how you would mock that fear. So if for some reason I might sit back and think, oh, you know, if I don't sell this insurance policy, then I'm not going to be able to eat next week. Okay, well, then if I don't sell this insurance policy and if I don't eat next week, what happens? And then say, oh, you know, am I going to shrivel up and die? Am I going to, it's probably a really bad thing, but um, I have, you know, am I going to shrivel up and die? No, I'm not. Am I going to lose my home? No, I'm not. Look at your fears in your, the eye and notice that we can mock them, that we can tear them down and break them down. Um, exaggerate the fear to the craziest ways possible so that you can see how silly it is. If this project fails, I'll get fired and blacklisted from the entire industry. All companies in every city and every country will not hire me. So if I don't sell this insurance policy, if I get fired, if I can't pay for my home, I lose my home, I end up living on the street, I end up living in a shelter. You know, if you see that and then you look at it and you go, really, is that really what's going to happen if I don't make this sale? Probably not, more than likely not. And if we're living that far on the edge, then we have a lot of other challenges to work through, right? But if we say maybe something like dating, right? If this person doesn't call me back, then I'm going to be single forever the rest of my life. Okay, 
What if I am single the rest of my life? Well, then you know what? What would, you know, oh, I'm going to have to go on vacation by myself and I'm going to have to, you know, go ahead and mock it, mock it and say things like, I'm single for the rest of my life. I'm going to spend all my holidays alone. I'm going to end up, you know, old and crotchety and, and realize that it's just not real, right? It's just not real. If we are single, we're going to have friends. We have family. We can create a family if we don't have one. If our family is crap, go out and find people that you love, you know? Have Friendsgiving rather than Thanksgiving and find ways to be who you choose to be. And that has been one of the most amazing tips for me has been this mocking my fears. Okay. And like, I might say, oh, if I, uh, you know, if I end up with an IRS bill, I'm going to end up and I'm going to have tons of problems, tons of challenges. Um, I'm going to go broke. I The IRS is going to come and take everything away from me. They're going to repossess my home. They're going to come back and they're going to repossess all my clothes. They're going to repossess my building. They're going to repossess all these different things. And the reality is they're not. They're not. And for us to look our fears in the eye and mock them is incredibly powerful. So take a look at those, like I mentioned, those that journal exercise where you look at some of those triggers of what if you do do balance your checkbook if you don't balance your checkbook what are we afraid of if i do balance my checkbook what are what is the fear there i'll tell you when i didn't balance my checkbook which i don't balance it now but i always keep track of my finances but if the say say for example if i balance my checkbook i'm going to realize i only had 52 cents well if i only had 52 cents then what is that going to do to me? Okay, well, what it's going to do to me is it means that I don't go out for dinner tonight. It means that I need to scale back. I need to be honest with myself and look at how much money I have, what I'm doing, and how I'm doing it in order for us to truly be able to be real and then overcome what it is that we're challenged about. But look at our behaviors. Look at our problems because then it's going to tell us where we need to be able to look at our truths. Do you balance your checkbook on a regular basis? Do you know the amount of your debt? That's a really big one. Um, and that doesn't mean one credit card. That means all your credit cards. That means all of your debt. How much is on your house? How much is on, you know, maybe a, a personal loan that you took out? Okay. How much is on your car? I think a lot of people would be in today's day and age super shocked at how much their actual loan is for on their vehicle. They think they bought it for you know, $30,000, but where they went and actually pulled a credit report, they got it on their credit report for $46,000 because the entire financed amount is on there because that's what they're responsible for. And if we can look at the true value of that vehicle, then we can say, okay, is that worth it? Is it not worth it? But then we know too, if something happens to the car, what do we have to work with? A lot of times people don't figure that out until they get to the table to buy a new car. And they realize, oh, you still have this much left over on this car that now doesn't run, but we shouldn't wait for other people to figure that out, right? Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. 
With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So be really, really honest with who you are, where you see your trouble points. If you heard of your trouble points in some of those areas, I'll tell you, there were years I didn't add up all my debt. Um, I looked at them in separate sections, but I didn't ever add them up. I have been turned down for loans. I have not had any type of savings in the bank to where if I you know, lost my job or something happened, I wouldn't have a problem making a house payment. And that has been very true for me in the past. So look at those honestly. Then it says on page 80, digging down to the roots. And I loved on page 81 where it says Sally Beckett also surprised, was also surprised at what the exercise revealed. My mother always said it's better to struggle financially because once your husband has money, then he'll leave. Without realizing it, I had this wonderful 20-year marriage that was full of financial struggle, and I accepted those messages without ever examining them. I realized that it doesn't have to be this way. We make decisions and we live our lives based on a lot of the stuff that we have pre-programmed in us, be based on TV, movies, parents, their baggage, our baggage, maybe things that happen to friends. Maybe if a friend went through a divorce due to a certain situation, we might fear that ourselves or losing their business, right? I mean, maybe somebody took a really big chance, hired a producer when they couldn't afford one. So therefore we want to over afford a new producer before we go on out and we set and we, and we uh, hire somebody on. But the problem is getting to where we can over afford a new producer can kill us. I mean, we're already carrying our own load, right? Just to be able to do our own thing. So they can be really, really challenging. But when we look at that, we need to look at our fears. And I love the next section. So digging down to the roots, digging down. Why do we feel that way? My biggest fear about money is, and I'll tell you, one of my biggest fear about money is is that I'm going to lose it. That if I have it, I'm going to lose it. And my biggest thing is that I don't want to be the one responsible for if I have it or not. Um, I will put money in the bank and not touch it. And that's a very big thing for me. And then they go through, my father felt money was blank. My mother felt money was blank. In my family, money caused blank. My earliest experience with money was, if I could afford it, if you're dreaming, I would blank. If I had money, I would blank. So if we look at some of those, it asks us, where is our history coming from? And what do we really want? What do we really want? I love that. And we have to be able to get out of our own way. That's one of the next points is that once our eyes are open, once we're telling ourselves the truth, we need to be able to get out of our own way. All right. Because the only thing holding us back is ourselves. It's just us. We are the thing that holds ourselves back because we make subconscious changes or subconscious choices to not take that chance. So for example, if I'm asking for a sale, if I'm, if I'm talking to a, a client, right. And they say, I really would like to do this, but right now it's just not a good time. So rather than me using the sales techniques that are 
you know, the closing words, the closing phrases. Sometimes I get scared and I'll sit back and say, hmm, I won't do that because if I do that, it might make me uncomfortable. It might make somebody mad at me and it might make somebody leave my life, make them run away from me, make them back off from me as a person or as a friend. So I just won't do that. I won't say that. I won't be that. So that I think I just totally changed topic. So, so on a personal level, I, if I, if I sit back and say, I want to be able to tell somebody something, I'm afraid they're going to leave me. In a business situation, I'm afraid I'm not going to make the sale. So I don't ask for the business. That's one of the things in my profile is that I don't ask for the business. I don't go for the close. I wait somebody out. Well, that's fine. I'll be back next month. Or that's fine. We'll come back next year. And, you know, it makes me not as successful as I really want to be. I've learned over the course of a couple of years to be able to step in and step over that. So when I get to that point in a presentation, I literally have a script I've worked out and, um, and it is just very simple. And I took it from a couple of podcasts that I listened to. And it was, so as we look at this, as we look at this presentation today, what challenges do you have with this presentation? Okay. We're getting their objections out of the way. And then I might say, so what's holding us back from being able to take this policy and make it effective, okay? And protecting you the way that you know you need to be protected for your business. That is really important because that is the sale. And I historically have avoided that like the plague, avoided it because it made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable to ask for what I wanted. So get in there, ask for what you want, because over coming under earning is about the junk in our head. It's not just about money. So it might be go for that close, right? Um, my daughter made her first big close right before Thanksgiving. It was wonderful. She got to that same point where he actually asked her a question and the client said, what else do I need to know about this policy? And she said, well, you know what? I think we've gone through every single one, every single question that, that you should have asked and more. I think you've done a great job with that. So my question to you is, what is keeping us from being able to move forward with this policy? And he said, nothing, let's do it. And she closed it. And it was great to watch her because she was like, oh my gosh, I did it. And it was so successful. And I love that she she caught that. She did what scared her. And um she got the sale. And I think that was wonderful. And I've also heard that courage is a muscle that we have to be able to exercise. So by doing the things that we're afraid of, overcoming our fears, making fun of our fears, getting through them, we're going to talk here in just a minute about affirmations and being able to reprogram our mind with positive thoughts rather than negative ones. It helps us to not over overcome under earning but it helps us to be able to step over our fears to get where we want to go so that that way we can be successful. We can make more money. We can close more deals. We can protect more people. We can have more to be able to get back into the universe with charities or other types of situations. So do what you know is healthy for you. We have to start thinking about things that scare us and think about, are they healthy for us? Because if they're healthy for us, then maybe it's just that we need to do more of them so that we have a desire to do them more. I have somebody that I follow on Instagram and she said, I'm trying to, she was, she that's put in that, she put down, I'm working out on a Monday in a hotel and I'm reprogramming my perception of exercise. Exercise is not a punishment. 
It's not, I have to go to the gym. It's that I get to go to the gym. It's not that I have to eat healthy. It's that I get to eat healthy. I'm blessed to have fresh fruits, vegetables, healthy ability to be able to make my own choices for food. And I'm, I'm excited and I'm, I'm, I'm deliberate in the fact that I make healthy choices. That's something I don't do enough of on my side, but I love that she put out there that she gets the opportunity to choose to be healthy because then it makes it an honor and a privilege rather than a responsibility and a burden. So I loved that. And I thought that was great because what she's doing is she's having that honest conversation, right? She's truthful with herself that she's not being healthy. And what does that mean? Why doesn't she want to be able to do healthy things? Because she wants to be, you know, eat the things that that feel good, eat the things that taste good, eat the things that have higher fat content, salt, whatever, right? But by her being able to change her mindset, by her making the choice that she's honored to be able to work out, to be able to eat healthy, those types of things, she's rewiring her brain to be able to do that. And I love that. I absolutely love it because I truly feel that that's what I need to do for 2023. And I think that's what this book is about, is reprogramming us to be honest with ourselves, to achieve our goals through money and through other avenues that we want that success. Step two, make a decision. So once we identify that we have challenges, all right, high five, you did a great job. You have challenges. All right. But now what are we going to do about them? We need to say, I'm going to make a line in the sand decision that today I'm going to be a different person. I'm the queen of tomorrow, 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 right? Oh, I'm going to start eating healthy tomorrow. But tonight I'm going out. You are going to have sushi or we're going to have fried chicken or we're going to have, you know, um, whatever. But the key is, is that I need to say no right now today. Every moment of every day, I'm making better choices. I'm putting money into a savings account. I'm looking at my debt. I'm looking at where my business is and what money we're making, what bills we need to cut. I'm being honest with myself about being who I am so therefore I can be better tomorrow than I was today. So let's talk about how to make that decision. All right. And the book. It says, it's not just okay, it's obligatory. What if your doctor diagnosed you as having a deteriorating condition that could have seriously affect the quality of your life as you get older? No matter how busy you were, you'd find time to do whatever it took to recover. Go to physical therapy, you'd make better choices. But in truth, that's the prognosis for all under earners. You have a degenerating condition that will hinder your quality of life as you age. So as we get older, as we get further along in this life, if we don't protect ourselves personally and financially, that will be a problem going forward longer than it is just a problem of today. So we've got to stop saying tomorrow I'm going to start putting money away in my savings account. Tomorrow I'm going to put money in my 401k. Tomorrow I'm really going to look at my business finances and I'm going to make sure that I'm in a good place to blank retire, buy another agency, reward my team for Christmas bonuses, be in a healthy place as far as profit. You know, I read a book. It's back in here again somewhere, right over there. Uh, Profit First is actually right over there. Anyway, Profit First by Mike McCallowitz. It was a book that taught me that I had to start putting money away for profit in my business. Because if I didn't, 
then the problem was, is that I would, I would, we don't see the joy in what we're working for. Cause that's how we give ourselves promotion. That's how we do wonderful things for ourselves. Right. Is that if we feel safe because we're making that profit, we put money away for taxes. We put money away for operations. We put money away for profit. By seeing that profit, we can say, I'm doing something good. I'm raising a good business. I'm building a good business. Because until I started making a profit and recognizing that I was making a profit, not just spending everything that we made, I saw myself as working my butt off and not being successful. But in order to do that, I had to do a deep dive into all my finances personally and professionally, create a plan, put put aside money in the right bank accounts in the right way. And then I can look at my bank account and I can say, okay, I'm doing really well. Because I can see that, right? I For years, I didn't file taxes for about four or five years for a while because I didn't want to see how much I had lost financially based on the IRS. Now I'm about better with that. I do it every year. But I'm telling you people, I've been there. I've been there where I don't want to look at my taxes. I don't want to look at my bank account. I don't want to, I had dread when I opened up my credit card bill. What is this that I'm doing over here? And how much is, you know, how much is actually on this thing? And Honestly, I dreaded it because I didn't know the answers. Now I know the answers. I can get in there. I can look at those. I can be honest with it. Where did the money come from? Where? Why do I owe it? Why do I earn it? Why am I profitable? Because I make good choices. But by doing that, I sleep better at night. I'm not as cranky. I'm not as angry. Things don't feel like my clients are attacking me quite as much when they are unhappy because I'm profitable. And I am running a good business. And that makes me feel like I can almost put a little bit of an emotional distance between my success level and the moment-to-moment situations that occur during the day. Um, I had something that, for me, showed me that I was profitable, that I was a good, that I was a good business owner. And for me, that's been super important, right? So we need to be able to make a decision. What do you want? All right, say this year, I want to make 20% more. Find out what that number is. Don't just say 20% more. If you make $100,000 a year this year, I'm going to make 120. All right, put it on a post-it note. Put it where you can see it. What is it going to take to be able to get to $120,000 this year in your overall in your overall income? Do it, do the math backwards. How much do you have to make? Divide by 12, 120,000 divided by 12. You have to make 10 grand a month. All right. How are you going to get there? What actions are you going to do to get there? What, how many calls are you going to make? How many drop-ins are you going to make? How many choices are you going to make that get you where you want to go? Super important in life. Very, very important. But being able to take the time to make that decision, that is the number one key. Now, Whenever we do make these decisions, though, there's something that comes up, and I love this in the book. It says the great conundrum. I love that word, conundrum. It is a deeply embedded, rarely conscious, internal conflict, often between the comfort motive and the profit motive. Mm. So we do what we do day in and day out because of the fact that we're comfortable doing it. I'm going to let that seek in for a minute. We're comfortable doing it. I'll be very honest. 
it is comfortable that when I am upset, I run to McDonald's and I get something, right? I don't need to do that. That's not who I want to be anymore. But when I get upset about something or I feel stressed, I'm like, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to run down the street, get something from McDonald's. It's not that big of a deal. Why McDonald's? I don't know why. We just, I lived in a small little town when I was growing up. We didn't have McDonald's. It was a really big thing to go to McDonald's when I was a kid. In Iowa, back in the 80s, we didn't have McDonald's everywhere the way we do now. Like they were only like in your bigger towns. So my comfort level is just to go to McDonald's and go get a burger, right? Or a Coke or a thing of chicken nuggets or whatever, right? But the reality is I've got to sit in that uncomfortability to be able to restructure and reprogram my mind. So that way, whenever something uncomfortable happens, I nut down and I move through that difficult thing rather than taking a break, doing something unhealthy for myself and then coming back to figure it out. But there've been lots of times in my life where I just flat out avoided everything that it was going to take to be able to fix a problem. I would just go to other people and cry. Oh my gosh, this is such a horrible situation. And then sometimes they would take care of it for me. Sometimes um, I would just ignore it and some things would go away. And then sometimes I would actually have to deal with my challenges. But um, I got to the point where I had to figure out that I needed to deal with it right away and not go to McDonald's, not eat, not have a drink, not do these other things. Um, and not put it off and not procrastinate and just get it done. And I found that that does make me feel better. And I am reprogramming my mind and my body that way. I just need work on it. I'm still working on it, but I recognize that it is a problem. It says on here, if you'd rather be safe and comfortable, but if you'd rather be safe and stay comfortable, are you scared of what prosperity may actually do in your life? Distrust the people who are wealthy, but don't believe you, you may distrust the people who are wealthy because you don't believe you deserve it. Or if you see money as a root of evil, then abundance isn't really what you want. Oh, that's not true. I want abundance. I want abundance. So I have to be able to do the things to pursue what makes abundance possible. I have to stop self-sabotaging. So that is my plan for 23 is to stop self-sabotaging because I will do that. 100%. I'm a, I'm a huge self-sabotager. So I love the next section is all about your values. What do you really want out of life? What do you really want? I know for me, security and safety is a really, really big thing. I run to security and safety. I want somebody else to take care of me. But I also know based on my life that that's not always the way that it works. And I also know that I don't need to take away somebody else's ability to take care of themselves. For me to ask somebody else to take care of me means that I have to ask them to stop taking care of themselves to take care of me. And that is a very selfish thing for me to do, to put my burdens on other people. But even if it's my husband, even if it's my child, no matter who it is, I can't put my burdens on other people. They're my burdens. They're my challenges. So I don't want to have to go always fix other people's challenges. That's not what I want to do. So why do I want other people to come on in and, and try to save mine? I think for some reason, I don't think that the way I deal with challenges is good enough. And I don't know where that comes from. And I don't know why. Um, but I do know that I always feel like somebody else will do better at being able to take care of this. Somebody else knows how to say it better than I know how to say it. Um, if something needs to be said, um, somebody else knows how to balance a checkbook better than I do. Somebody else does math better than I do. 
Somebody else knows how to talk to team members better than I do. Somebody else knows how to inspire better than I do. I always feel like somebody else knows more than me. And so therefore I want them to come rescue me and take care of me. But the reality is that's not a leader. That's not my life. That's not where I'm at. I do run a business. I have nine team members. I love them all and they need a leader. They need someone to come on in. And when I need to support my husband is my time to be able to support my husband. But there are times that he needs me to be a leader. So if I always delegate to him and need him to take care of me or fix me, that's not a real relationship, right? Like he's not here just to fix me. He's here to be my partner, my, my challenger and my champion all at the same time. He's not here to, in my life to fix me. I don't need to be fixed. And during our divorce, I went through kind of an epiphany that I am awesome the way I am and that I do a great job. People like me and uh, people want to talk to me about things. So, and that I have a certain sense of discernment that I know what I want. And um, I've gotten to the point where I step forward to be able to fix my problems a lot easier. Um, There are times I still default to, hey, can you just take care of this, right? And, um, but think about our teams that way too. Maybe they want us to be able to take care of things because they don't want to, they're scared. Maybe that client's gonna go yell at them. Maybe the paperwork will be done wrong. Maybe, right? Maybe they go to networking that they're gonna be, you know, booed that nobody wants to be able to talk to them about insurance, right? It's scary. Our world is scary. But when we realize that we are a part of that world, we deserve to be in that world. And we have a voice in that world that is just as valuable as everybody else's. That helps us to be able to step up and claim our power. Same thing with our finances. We have to know where we are. We have to make a decision. And then we have to move forward with being able to make the changes that put us in the right position financially so that we can achieve our goals. Same process with being able to overcome our fears and taking responsibility to be able to do the things we need to do to achieve the personal goals that we have. I don't care if it's financial, personal, spiritual, leadership, whatever it might be. We have to follow that same process to be successful. We have to decide to clean our room before we pick up our clothes, before all of a sudden we pick up enough stuff that then all of a sudden our room is clean. Think about it with the same concept as when we taught our children, right? How to clean their room, pick up one thing, pick up two things, pick up five things, spend five minutes on it, spend 10 minutes on it. Take time to confront your challenges, lay them out. Why do I feel that way? restructure your thoughts because the next section is all about affirmations, rewiring that conversation so that when I get a paycheck, right, maybe I want to go out and spend it all on shoes, right? Or I want to go out and spend it all on my family, right? I want to go, I'm going to, I just got a great bonus check. I'm going to go put it into a vacation, but maybe I don't put it in my savings account. All right. Maybe we can say, I have a natural thing that I try to take care of other people. So therefore, I know that we all would love to have a family vacation this year. That's a great idea. But I don't have anything in savings. So 
That is going to freak me out when I have nothing in savings, right? It's going to freak me out that we do or do not have a family vacation. I doubt it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. But the reality is, is that maybe we can do both. Maybe we take a $8,000 vacation and we put $2,000 into the uh, you know, savings accounts, or maybe we can compromise. Maybe we can find a way to do it. Maybe we just don't take a vacation this year. We wait a year to take a vacation and you put everything in a savings account. But the point is you make good choices, but until we see that we have these challenges and why we have those challenges, then we can move forward. We need to get over those top signs of resistance. And I love this. I'm too busy to blank. Maybe you procrastinate. Oh, I'll just do that later. Maybe you're scared into inaction. Oh my God, what will happen if? Maybe we defer decisions. Uh, what do you think? How about you? You decide. That's kind of some things maybe that we say to ourselves. Another sign that maybe you're in resistance. Do you lose interest? Oh my gosh, really? I'm so bored. This really isn't my thing. Maybe we intentionally forget things. Number six, mm, I meant to do that, but I totally forgot. Maybe we're disorganized. Where do we put that? Sometimes, you know, I get something in the mail and I'm like, oh, I'll deal with that later. And then I don't remember where I put it, right? Disorganization. We intentionally forget things. Do that all the time. Maybe we fog up and we space out. Space out. Somebody talks to us about something we don't want to talk about. Do you ever just like your eyes just kind of cross internally and you just have no idea what they're saying. And it's like, wah, 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 Yeah, that's that fog. That's that spacing out. Number nine of the 12 signs that you're in resistance. Maybe you get paralyzed. You can't think, you can't move forward. You're just paralyzed with fear. Number 10, I can't do that right now because that means you're finding reasons to avoid. Number 11, you're impatient. Oh my gosh, this is taking way too long. This should have been done a long time ago. Number 12, you keep running into naysayers or maybe you're asking people's opinions. So somehow we get a sense of agreement because we're not really sure. We're so scared of making a decision on our own that we ask everybody and their dog what they think about the situation. And then when we do that, people give us other ideas and therefore then it makes us question whether or not we made the right decision. I've actually gotten to where I have certain people in my life that I do not, under any circumstances, ask them their opinion, especially about work stuff. I will go out of my way. And I've even gotten to the point with certain people in my life, I enter a conversation saying, I made a decision blank because I've asked them for their decision so many times that they automatically assume that I want or I need their opinion. And I don't. And I'm good with my decision and I move forward. But I got to the point where I, those people made me question my decisions to such a level that I was paralyzed at that point and I could not move forward. So if I look at that resistance, I had to be able to say to myself, and I still struggle with this, why is it that I need other people's opinion? Why is it that I need blank, blank, blank? Oh, that's a form of resistance. So if I just move forward and I trust myself, then I can achieve what I want to be able to achieve. Same thing with our money, with our financial decisions. Let's work on being confident. Let's work on being strong. Let's move forward. 
Because if we do make a mistake, if we do have something that doesn't go exactly as planned, that's okay. Lots of people make mistakes. And you know what? Maybe we don't even need to look at them as mistakes. Maybe what we need to do is we need to look at them as lessons along the way. We need to see them as part of the journey, not a period in a conversation. Because I think a lot of people think of a mistake as a period at the end of a conversation. Oh, that conversation's done. You did a wrong thing, a bad thing. But they're not wrong. They're not bad. There may be a mistake teaches us what we need to do right. Think of it as a stepping stone along the path. This is step one and step two of overcoming under earning. We're going to continue on with step three and step four, which is going to be the stretch, which is step three. And then four is to be able to get your people around you, creating your community. Five is going to be respect and appreciate where you are in your money. So we're going to continue. Join me for the next episode. We're reading Overcoming Under Earning. We're discussing it. Send me messages. I love it. Of, of, of the original, the first version of our first um, episode in this series. I got a lot of really great feedback. Um, I had like five or six people reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I have these problems with being able to financially make decisions or with sales or with um, being able to really ask for what I want and take what I need out of my business and that it is exhausting them. So I think that's the number one reason for burnout in sales and or in business ownership. So that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this book. So join me in our next episode while we continue to move forward with the conversation of how to overcome under earning. We have another episode every single Wednesday. This is the Power Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Teresa Kitchens. Please feel free to reach out, find me on Facebook, Uh, You can look up uh, Power Women in Insurance podcast. You can uh, Google me, look us up on all your favorite streaming locations like Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, all those great places. And we will talk to you again next week, Wednesday. Have a great day. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, We're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good... Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, Terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And you know how it is. To to fix a problem, the first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do. Because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.